Let's talk with Ruth Shaw, because her first book, The Bookseller at the End of the World, came about after an interview on Saturday morning back in 2020. A publisher was tuned into RNZ that led to Ruth being asked to write a memoir. You can, of course, listen again to that interview on our website, rnz.co.nz, and search for Ruth Shaw. Now, though, she's back with a real heartwarmer, Bookshop Dogs, charming stories of hounds of all shapes and sizes, which visit her in the Three Wee Bookshops. And Ruth Shaw is with us now from Manapouri in Fiordland. Kia ora, good morning. Good morning to you too. Lovely to have you with Thank us. You oh, Thank you. Lovely to have you with us this morning, Ruth. Thank you very much for your time. Um, this is something close to my heart, uh, loving bookshops and loving dogs. Um, and so it, I feel like it's a book you could have written for, not just for me, but for very many people. That's how it seems, and it's worked out like that as well. So many people um, have said, I love books, and my second love is a dog, and some people say, I love dogs, and my second love is a book. (laughs) It's really interesting because um, even people that haven't got dogs are enjoying the book, which I'm really pleased about. Oh, excellent. Um, The book, though, starts not with a dog, uh, but with the revelation that you're from a cat family. Yes, that's correct. We always had cats, and my sister's got two cats that totally rule her home. Um, And I love cats, but because we've got a semi-predator-free fence around our uh, section with a small forest that we have planted, we can't have a cat because we have so many birds. What kind of birds do you get there? Big pardon. What sort of birds do you get in in there? That must be an extraordinary kind of wilderness and, and well, full of wildlife. Have, yeah, we have a lot of tui and we have bellbirds and the fantails have come back. They go away for the winter and they're just back now. There's a pier down in the forest. We have all sorts of birds really, but of course, you know, the little sparrows, um, we feed them all the year round. It's really quite extraordinary. Sometimes we have maybe up to 100 sparrows waiting to be fed. <laughs> it's it's really delightful. Also delightful is one of the stories that is a, a really huge thread through Bookshop Dogs, which is the story of Hansa. Tell us about Hansa. Well, Hansa was a the runt of his litter. And when I was employed by the Invercargill Council to be the uh, detached youth worker in town, I really thought that had to be an easier way to get through to the youth that I was working with. They were in situations where they didn't trust adults in many cases, and so I came up with the idea of having a dog. And so we w- we drove up to Christchurch and. Eventually, Lance, my husband, found Hansa. I don't know. We, I really wanted a German shepherd, So, and Hansa was a German shepherd. When we drove from Christchurch back to Manapuri, he was very timid. He was scared of water. We stopped at Tekapo, and he didn't want to put his feet in the lake. And I thought, this is going to be a bloody disaster. But anyway... Um, He turned out to be a dog that 
had great insight, great patience, um, and just could see what was required of them, which a lot of the time was just sitting with somebody and letting them talk to them. I think that's the great thing about dogs is that we all talk to our dogs and they sit there and listen and you wonder sometimes what's going on in their head. Um, Hansa was a talker, so if you spoke to him, he'd always talk back to you. So Hansa became very, very well known in Invercargill by um, all of the youth and right through to some of the gangs. And he was um, the main the main reason why I could get through to youth quite quickly. And it was, it was all because of Hansa. It's interesting how you say that people would talk to Hansa and and that way the dogs do connect on a very different sort of level with humans. Um, but Hunter really was, he was quite a hero, wasn't he, in a way? He was definitely a hero. Um, a lot of the parents knew of Hunza and they kind of knew about me, but Hunza was the uh, really the primary detached youth, youth worker. He was my offsider, but it didn't matter what I asked him to do, he would be there. And so many of the kids, as I said in my book, they just radiated to Hunza. And it was really um, when he was stolen, and I <clears throat> there is a chapter in my book about when he was stolen. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, it was interesting that all the youth that knew Hunza mobilised to try and find him. The radio station was putting out calls for anybody that knew where Hunza was to contact them. And it was a whole uh, movement in Invercargill that got Hunza back. And, yeah, I'm not going to tell the story because it's quite a funny story, but Mm. it was devastating for so many children that, considered Hansa as their only friend. Yes, dogs really do, for the right family, they really do complete the family. That comes through loud and clear in the book. Yes. I think I've had a couple of people come in the bookshop and say that, um, oh, but there's dogs that fight, there's dogs that will bite you. And I say it's a reflection of how they are brought up how they're reared because there's a lot of dogs that are trained to fight and a lot of dogs that are trained to um, not let people on properties, things like that. So a dog basically is a very, very soft, gentle, intelligent animal. It's interesting, I had um, a couple in the bookshop about a couple of weeks ago and The woman said, oh, have you got a copy of Bookshop Dogs? And I said, yes. And the husband said, no, you're not buying it. And she said, yes, but I want to buy it. And he said, no, you're not buying it. And so I said to him, why why won't you let her buy the book? And he said, "Um, she wants a dog and I don't want a dog. And I said, why don't you want a dog? And he said, because she'll end up talking to it more than she talks to me and she'll end up loving it more than she loves me. And I looked at him and I said, you know, uh, 
maybe you should love your wife a little bit more and get, let her have a dog. <laughs> Are you scared that you're going to love the dog as well? And he said, oh, I'd never love a dog. And I said, you're obviously really scared that you will. He went over and he grabbed bookshop dogs and he paid for it. And so I said, I'll sign it for you. And he said, oh, all right. So I put on the front, I'm not going to say his name, um, for so-and-so, mm. beware. Beware. Once you've read this book, you'll be getting a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so she has promised me that she's going to email me when he buys her a dog. <laughs> <laughs> How long do you think that's going to be? I think he'll get a one for Christmas. Oh. Um, as he was getting in the car, I said, it wouldn't that wouldn't a dog make a great Christmas present? And he just looked at me and he said, I've got to get away from this bookshop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's lovely. What a lovely story. But I mean, dogs are, dogs are, of course, for life, not just for Christmas. But if you get a dog, and I, I sort of I say this as someone who grew up in a cat family and came to dogs rather later in life, having, after saying I would never get one, but here I am, a dog person now. Um, they they really are, they get under your skin in a way that other pets sort of don't, or at least that's been my experience. Yes, they do. Hmm. I think it's because they have this inner sense of what you need when you're sad, they know to lean into you and and um, it's kind of they're saying, I'm here for you. When you're happy, they're all over you with tail wagging, tongue out. They they just enjoy life and they teach you so much about life. And my, I know that um, cats are wonderful, but cats are also very, very um, independent. Hmm. And whereas, whereas a dog... Um, dedicates himself to you. Mm. If you love him, he really dedicates himself to you. And he makes all the excuses in the world for you when you're angry and you growl at him. Mm. All the excuses in the world. He'll just, your dog will just forgive you and be there for you all the time. Now, there are so many dogs in the book. Bookshop dogs, reading dogs... Also dogs that are not connected in any way to bookshops, but I wonder what it is like for you since you published your memoir, the numbers of people that must come to the bookshop as a as a destination in its own right to to see you and potentially to see to see some of the dogs as well. Yes. Um since book uh, the bookseller at the end of the world came out uh, there is a steady stream of people that come to take photographs of the bookshops and also to have their books signed. Pe- a lady turned up from Italy bringing her Italian copy over for me to sign it. And it's um, oh, it, it, it's all been really overwhelming in lots of ways because I said to Jenny from Ellen and Unwin, um, I don't really know if this book's going to sell. Mm. And she said, Ruth, I've been publishing books for 20 years and I know what's going to sell. So I I said to her, I really don't want to end up with boxes and boxes of books under my beard. <laughs> she said, that's not going to happen. So when um, it came out and 
I have to thank Alan and Unwin because they're such brilliant. They've got a brilliant team of of mm. uh, workers. Um, I was blown away that it was a bestseller, and now it's translated into nine languages, and um, and even bookshop dogs. I've signed a contract for that to go into Italian, mm-hmm. and I I said to Sandra. Why on earth would people in Italy want to read a book about New Zealand dogs? <laughs> she said, well, it just blows me away. <laughs> that is fantastic. We've had a text in actually uh, saying, we called into Ruth's bookshop on Sunday and she had a cute little black lamb frolicking around. Great shops, the person says. You have a lamb as well as dogs? Well... I've got a friend who raises Arapara lambs. They're black with a little white top knot. And uh, we raised one last year. His name was Michael Shoelace because he ate shoelaces. And um, this year he rang up and said that he had a pair. He had twins. The mother had no milk. So I said, well, you better bring them around. And so sadly, one of the little twins died. And um, but we have got a little black lamb that we have called uh, Tommy Trousers, and Tommy Trousers is named after um, a Bavarian friend of ours who's staying with us at the moment. And as soon as the lamb saw him, he started eating the bottom of his trousers. So I thought, oh, that's a great name, Tommy Trousers. <laughs> so Tommy Trousers is um, comes up to the bookshop and people take photographs of him and can feed him and love him and he's he's absolutely gorgeous 